I'm just going to start recording so we can get this us making fun of Vias for being late content in case in case any of it's good. Yeah, and you can chop as much as you have to chop. Yeah, that's the thing. I can chop I can chop whatever I want, so. No, yeah, I I guess I understand how we could could have thought that we were recording at 6, but at the same time, like his message was literally directly under the message confirming that we were recording at 5. So, Oh, this is a great headline. Trump unveils official Space Force flag and hints at new, quote, super-duper missile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best best president of my lifetime, hands down. <laughs> See, yeah, one thing I think everyone forgets about the Bush years is that he promised that they were going to go back to Mars, and then everyone was like, no, that's, or sorry, go to Mars for the first time. And everyone was like, that's stupid. That costs too much money. There's no reason to go to Mars. Fuck this. And then we all forgot about it. Trump, because he's just better in every way, decided to like just say, oh no, we're going to have a space force. We're going to militarize space. You know Starship Troopers? <laughs> not a satire. It's a documentary to me. Would you like to know more? Every time I say yes, and he won't tell me. <laughs> my um, One of my favorite... Uh, things that has been like going around Twitter in various different forms. If someone just cutting the Bernie uh, victory speech from when he won mayor, when like became mayor of Burlington the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's talking about like Reagan militarizing space or whatever, but they just cut the one section of him going and no more Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> And then people using it for, like, a bunch of different things. The other really good Bernie out of context thing is uh, the clip of him saying, people are tired of women. Oh, yeah, that's that's my favorite one. That one's great. Uh, Vias is going to be in in 10 minutes, he says. he's on, He is on a work call. Um, have, has, have we all seen this uh, video today of Nancy Pelosi? Fucking no. Terrifying. Just being, like, the shiniest person ever. She's so shiny. I've seen a- green cap of it It is unsettling she's like the smoothest person that's ever she's reflective yes it's terrifying i hate it mods are asleep share uh smooth nancy's (laughs) she looks like a robot like you know that we haven't been able to nail like skin on a cyborg quite right just yet (laughs) okay okay. that's what this looks I got oh it. My God. I got it. You know how, like, when they start to de- um, decay in Blade Runner, sure, and the way their their skin texture changes, mm-hmm. that's Nancy that's Pelosi, Nancy right, Pelosi now. right now. She's about to squish somebody's eyes out. Nancy Pelosi is demanding uh, an extension of life. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm having both of you on because it's going to mean I like barely have to talk, uh, which I've needed for a while because the last few episodes we've done have just been me ranting for like. 35 minutes at a time so with vias interrupting you like six times pretty much dude the um he was so bad last time both the patreon like we have a part one and a part two coming out on the patreon like probably fucking as soon as we're we're done recording here um and he interrupted me while i was doing the intro both times (laughs) ravina owning him on roxy fever remains like one of the funniest moments of the year Dude, you I like some of that got cut too. She owned him like five times. It was Actually, so funny. Yeah, it was great. I couldn't there was there's a lot of like 
pretty funny stuff that happens on the show that I can't keep like mainly for flow reasons. Like just it, there's just too much extra bullshit like what we're doing right now at the beginning of shows and I just can't keep it all and have like any sort of flow and not have the episodes be two hours. But like there was another time where we had, uh, I can't remember what the deal with it was, but like we were talking with, Elliot and Elliot's recording all of a sudden just went like and he just like didn't know it was happening and he just kept trying to talk and you could just faintly hear Elliot like like just being like oh while while just the main thing of the feed was just yeah Satan farting um that was great and I really would have liked to have kept that but it just like I once again didn't couldn't fit it in, couldn't make it make sense in the context of the episode, but fair. Check the chat. All our all our episodes are like a two hour. Oh, that's yeah. why I was they, saying it was going to be six hours tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> which would be a I four mean, hour it, episode, but uh, it doesn't know. help that yes, it doesn't help that Vias what is, is Vias. now forty minutes late. <laughs> you said t- you said ten minutes, fifteen minutes ago. You fucking himbo. <laughs> Uh, this is great. See what what happened was initially I started antagonizing a bunch of people from my in my little like social media hockey sphere, and now they all just antagonize each other, and I get to watch them fight, and it's like my favorite. A bunch thing. of people, Jackson. Like a a bunch of people. What do you? Well, yeah, no, I've antagonized Vias and Justin too. Justin will attest to that. Uh. Yeah, it's like it never rises to a place of hate, though, you know? Like No, but neither does my antagonizing of JD. But he goes, not there. He, pre- he goes to that level. You and I. He absolutely do. does. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Wait, wait, I, I think it's great. I like, go to that level? Yeah. <laughs> with who? With, J- with Certainly Jackson Vias. all the time. <laughs> and with me. I do not. What are you? T- what? Are you doing a bit right now? No, like I say I want to murder him, but I say I want to murder him. No, I'm, I'm I'm serious. I've actually got a hit squad. I've got some hitters on the way to Victoria. Fair. Did you hire Mr. ESQ? See, this is like per- this is a, a perfect like Justin Brain moment because like he's going like you get fucking pissed too. And like Justin is perfect because like in his mind, like saying the most heinous shit is comparable to insulting a Marvel film. So like <laughs> it's not like, true at all. But okay. <laughs> like, <he> could just. <laughs> what do you get mad about all the time? Like J- Jackson will be like, uh, Scarface is f- for babies, and the Dark Knight <laughs> is stupid, and you'll be like, <laughs> no. But I did say the other night, I was like, you've actually, Jackson, you have ruined the Dark Knight for me, and it is an oh, excellent no. film. Like I used to put that on in the background, like while I was writing and shit all the time. That's your hot couch movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, like, I literally hover above the play option. And I actually took Justin through this the other week. I was like, I can't, I can't hit play. That's so funny. Like, I'm afraid that's like the funniest thing to me. The most critically, positively reviewed films ever. (laughs) It is probably the best superhero movie. It is probably the best superhero movie, but it does not crack, like, the top. 100 like most critically acclaimed movies of all time hey look who fucking hey! finally showed up guys hey! that was the first one in here you guys show the little dots showed up right after 
Yeah, that's how we, it works. I can send you a screenshot of the 19 minutes and 45 seconds we've been hey. recording, which does not that's include like one episode. the roughly 20 minutes beforehand where we weren't recording. <laughs> where were you, pal? Look, it's pal. it's important for, for the White Caucus of this whole group to, like, you know, spend their own time together to do some self-reflection, and, you know, I don't need to be there for that. This is this is like yeah, an intervention yeah, yeah. about JD's racism, right? <laughs> I'm keeping all of this in. Fade uh, <laughs> <laughs> is so good. Uh, That's that so cannot, good. That cannot make it after like the long chat yeah. I just had at work. Uh, the oh god. <laughs> oh no! What did you talk oh, about at work? It wasn't bad. It was just like okay. There's a lot like there's a lot of non-binary people at work, and I know I'm gonna slip up. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um. We hit the first woman start at my work two weeks ago. <laughs> Why is that so funny to me? I don't know. Girls can finally build batteries, too. <laughs> yeah. He's there to put the negative signs on. Am I right, boys? All right. <laughs> Her oh, name man. is Nancy, also. <laughs> oh, God. Is there, there's going to have to be a fucking Patreon feed for the guys. Dudes rock. Yeah. Dudes rock. It's called, uh, Dudes rock it's called uh, uh, Patriarion. Huh? Huh? I got it. Yeah. Sweet. It yeah. wasn't good, but I got it. It was great. So, Vias, I want to I introduce you to this function that is available on cast um, where you click the raise your hand button. Fuck off. And you can click that and let other people know that <laughs> you want to talk. This is supre- this is white supremacy. Jackson's is yeah, it's just trying to silence minorities. This is white supremacy. I was saying to before e- any of you guys showed up, I was saying to Elliot that I was disappointed when I found out that you as the host of the room do not have the function to mute other people's mics. Because <laughs> I was I was looking forward to just muting Vias's mic while I did the intro to the show. And then like Turning it back on five minutes later. Jackson does Beautiful. the intro, and it's just like he's halfway through it. Vias goes, uh, "Hey guys, I got a question." I mean, you're gonna love the next Patreon episode. Oh no! Nice. Yeah, you're absolutely. really gonna like how I fucked that. Vias had a I had a a banner episode uh, on the Patreon feed for our most recent one, but um, you know, so- what it is right before we recorded. Okay, I have to admit two things. Well, well, no, not admitting, but like, okay, one of them is admitting the first. Like, right before we started, I, like, started blasting, like, music right before, and it, like, really got me in the mood to record and, like, fuck around. Uh, so I'm going to do that more often. And uh, the other one was that I played NHL, like, for a majority of that episode. <laughs> I hate that. That makes me so mad. <laughs> but, like, I, I, like I, wasn't, I wasn't playing online, so I wasn't, like, really focused. I was just, like, doing, like, a free skate. And it, like, got me... I, I don't know. I felt, like, better on that episode than usual, is what I'll say. Well, that pisses me off. Weirdly weirdly enough, like, I do kind of get it because sometimes when people call me on the phone, mm-hmm. I'll just turn on, like, Mario Kart or something mm-hmm. because it actually helps me listen to them better. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I get it. Yeah. I do get so, it. So, I, I tell for you. So, I... Basically, before we start here, I'm just going to do the show the way I would normally do it. And if there's anything that you guys need me to cut out, or if there's anything you're just like, oh, I can't answer that, or I can't go any further with that, just let me know, because that seems a lot easier than <laughs> trying to, like, PR my way into, into like, not asking the wrong question or not uh, saying something 
potentially inflammatory. Yeah, when I think about due discretion and PR, I think about Jackson McDonald. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy who absolutely does not like just yell out st- state secrets before anyone's told him that he can. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do have notoriously loose lips, mostly because mostly because I just forget. I mostly just forget that um, you know, like that shit hasn't been reported somewhere because I it gets talked about so much and certain social circles that you forget that it's like not out there the the biggest and worst example was the john weisbrod uh florida panthers phone call which i thought was out there <laughs> and then realized was not out there at all and now it is out there and now it is out there and it's a hundred percent my fault that's pretty funny to me <laughs> you know what i find funny about it though is like once you put it out there everybody in the media was just like okay cool i guess we can talk about this now I know. <laughs> I I'm kind of hoping that now that I'm detached from any sort of legitimate uh, media thing, and and uh, I mean, not that Canucks Army was ever very legitimate or whatever, but um, it I'm was before you took over, pal. Ah, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I and I'm gonna do some freelancing or whatever. But I'm kind of hoping that now, like, people will just kind of tell me stuff that is like, look, I can't tell anyone legit this, but I'll tell you so that. You know, you can get it out there and people can decide whether you're making it up or not. Which is fair. I make stuff up all the time. So Was the Florida Panthers call the thing that Pet Bugs wrote about? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm actually like Jackson, you saying I make things up all the time is like the most therapeutic thing I've ever heard in my life. Just like hearing <laughs> you actually say that out loud. I don't even need you to be like, Yeah, no, I've made up a lot of stuff about you. Just hearing you say that was was good. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, like I, I always hope that people can tell the difference between something that I'm saying that is serious and something that I'm saying in jest. But something I've learned over my life is that people can seldom tell the difference between when I'm being serious and when I'm trolling them. So sometimes I'll listen uh, to Roxy Fever and just like leave my my bedroom and see Justin and be like, God fucking damn it, that is just. <laughs> And like I don't get like actual bad. I'm just like, oh for fuck's sakes, I did not say that. <laughs> I like just explained like this podcast on my work call to somebody too. Oh great, I, what did you say? Uh, I told them like uh, that that's what I was like about to go do, and like that's what I'm late to do right now. Um, and they're like, oh, what do you do? And then I told them, and they were like, literally nobody has mentioned the word sport in our office for like ten years. Oh it's, yeah, it's uh, it's all. It, I, I'm actually the only uh, male who works there. Which wow, oh, it's the I'm inverse of uh, of Elliot's workplace then. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. You need to keep <laughs> that line, of Elliot saying. So we hired our first woman this week. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping I'm keeping a lot of the stuff in from the beginning. In uh, fact, um, uh... I'm just gonna not to break up the flow, but. Uh, what's up, YouTube? It's your Roxy Fever for the week. I'll say the week, even though it's never the week. Um, I'm your host, Jackson McDonald. Joining me, as always. Oh, is that me? Oh. Yeah, that's you. That's you, dumbass. <laughs> the well, one time you don't interrupt. Motherfucker's they- eating on mic, too. <laughs> I'm just chilling with the boys. Uh, it's Vyas Serene. And Elliot Hoyt. Uh, hey, guys. I got, I got a qu- Guys, I got a question. I got a question. Uh, who's Vyas Saran? Boo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we got a couple of guests with us this week as well. Uh, joining us live from Content House, it's uh, JD and Justin. How are you guys doing? Hi, Justin. Hi. Uh, I'm so glad to see how the sausage is made uh, in this very revealing conversation that we've had before really the episode's even gotten started. What sort of sausage would you say that this is? Like, <laughs> would you say it's merguez? Would you say it's hot Italian? <laughs> you... Definitely hot Italian. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What, what are we working with? Kielbasa, maybe? I, I, maybe a I am eating chicken wings right now. I'm not allowed to eat beef or pork in this house, by the way, so I gotta keep that down. Hell yeah, dude. Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. They, they, they don't let you, or they would just be mad if they found out, upset? My parents would be more disappointed in me if they found me with any beef. You uh, could just say product. you're carrying it for a friend. <laughs> 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 just like a package of ground beef. That's uh, for a friend. You know what I love to imagine right now is that Asvias is telling us this story about how, like, you know, this is being recorded, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So Asvias, I'm going to say that every time you're about to start talking. <laughs> so Asvias <laughs> is telling us the story. He's eating like a steak or something. Like, yo, if they caught me like eating beef in this household, it would be over. Wait a second, guys. I got a question. Is steak beef? <laughs> 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 I just thought it was steak. So, obviously. There's one story in uh, in the market that's dominated the headlines and the discussion on Twitter for you know for most of the year. So I guess I should just uh, address it right off the bat, especially because interest in it has only become heightened since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Justin, are, what's the status you, of our? Are bet? you guys getting all my chewing in on this uh, recording? Yeah, I, I may it's just cut all of your audio you. from this. <laughs> Uh, the status of our bet is a very good question, actually, Jackson. I wanted to have you on uh, the return episode of Locked On when I start doing episodes again so that we could hash this out. Because technically, the bet was if the Canucks make the playoffs. But I feel like the bet is compromised if the NHL moves to a 24-team playoff scenario, because that is not yes. the spirit of the bet. So can I make a suggestion? Sure. No. I feel like the Canucks have made the playoffs if they... If their draft pick is in a aft bottom, like the position of team in the playoffs would pick. See, now I can I can yeah, see okay, okay. the so if they, like if they pick lower than fourteenth, the, then they technically yeah, they're basically. In. I was oh, trying okay, to yeah, yeah. do thirty-one teams, sixteen. Playoff I guess it's fifteen teams. now. Sorry, fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, I can see the and I can see the logic behind that. But uh, yeah, I, I, my question is mostly to do with the spirit of the bet, and I feel like either one of us could have gripes with how uh, how it turns yeah, out. And then he, Do you want like, to just... Even if we move it to next season and shift the window from two years to just one, like, what if next year they play 48 regular season games? Like, that's not really uh, Yeah, either. totally. And, and by the same token, too, like, it would be genuinely unfair for you for this year to be a write-off because you made the bet based on it being a two-year window. Exactly. And... And that's like the whole reason why it's a bet. Because if we were just going to make the bet on one year, you might not have taken. Also, it. like because like I still know that I'm going to win the bet at the end of the day, <laughs> but I would feel horrible taking fifty dollars from you in the middle of a pandemic. You know, like I don't, I don't feel good about that. Well, do you want to do you want to just say sure. that that the bet is contingent on there being two eighty-two game seasons and a Canadian dollar. Uh, yeah, sure. Which is not going to happen, okay. so we may as well just cancel the bet right now. Prob probably not, but we'll we'll leave an out clause that says, just in case, that if it if it does so happen that 
its 82 82 game seasons uh one of us will and pay. honestly like even if uh we have to scrap the bet and none of us gets the money at the end of the day what we really got out of it was content and that's <laughs> all that matters the- <laughs> maybe the content was the bets we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, how quietly do you think I can eat croutons right now? Not at all! <laughs> not what the fuck is your problem? Why are you eating croutons? Yes. Like, I, how are you <laughs> simultaneously one of the dumbest and smartest people I know? <laughs> like, you pull it It really doesn't make any sense. pull it off so seamlessly. It's like every now and then you'll write like a 4,000 word essay for McLean's about like how we shouldn't eat poor people. And, and then it's like the next thing you'll you'll turn around and you'll like say to me, Hey, does anybody else think about when they breathe? You know, like. <laughs> hey, man, it's, it's it's called RAM. Yeah, I decide where everything goes. No, I thought that was the one kind of meat you're allowed to eat. He's got 32 gigabytes of RAM on, like, a single core processor he, he's, from, like, the 90s. He's Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I'm, running on, I'm one, running on Windows 95. He's got, a, he's got a flash drive in his head at any given time. That he needs to deliver somewhere. I can't even remember the plot of that book or movie. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Keanu Reeves, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, based on a William Gibson uh, novel. Crack a I book much? Uh, it don't seem was... like you do. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a short story, actually. <laughs> but uh, the movie and the short story are both excellent. Um, uh-huh. The movie especially has some great cameos. Vias, I, I swear to fucking God, do not eat croutons on mic. Like, seriously, it's going to ruin the audio. I'm not going to be able to use any of the audio, any of your audio from the episode. Uh, and it's also the loudest fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, how did you pick so, like, the noisiest possible food you could munch on? And you know what's funny is, like, even if he thought that the show was at six, it's almost fucking six o'clock right now. Like, he'd still be eating the fucking crouton. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. I could be done in three minutes if I wanted to, boys. No, well, it's great. I'm stopping now, you. but there's still a bunch of crouton in my throat, so I'll just be coughing a lot. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, That's well, preferable to me. That you have corona. It's fine. So, do you guys think if... I mean... Obviously, there's still a lot up in the air right now, but let's say tomorrow the season's canceled and they hold the draft and the Canucks have the, I believe right now it would be, what, the 17th pick? Do they, do you, would you say they should just keep that pick or do you, you take the chance on next season? I'm not like 100%. What, JD, what underage boy that you've been following for the last year is going to get picked there? So as I was saying, Jackson, I don't think they actually get a choice <laughs> at that point because they would be considered a playoff team just based on draft position. So I think by default, it would actually go to New Jersey. Although like the technicality of whether they actually made the playoffs or not would be of interest there. But I mean... It, it wasn't wasn't like the official word from NHL honchos like... They might have to open up the negotiations and New Jersey can set new parameters of the pick sliding or whatever. Like, Which the, I'm sure both sides love. Yeah, we got to reopen this trade and, and change it <laughs> a year after the fact. That'll be... A year and I, like a different team, yes. too. Yeah. So, so. I love how much this whole thing has shown us that the NHL will just make ev- shit up as they go along. And we already knew that, but it's abundantly clear now in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd always say to people when they'd get into the conspiracies about, like, the NHL being out to get Vancouver, it's like, I mean, I don't begrudge you for thinking that, but also, like, the the saying, 
don't attribute to malice what can easily be explained by incompetence. Like, I'm a big believer in that. And Hanlon's razor, you know, baby. I, I think that the NHL is the prime example of that. Now, do you want to know which uh, which kids they should watch for at the boy auction? Is that what the question is? Absolutely. I've, I'm all about well, the boy before auction. Before we do that, uh, I can I pose a question to JD, even though you're, it's your show? <laughs> oh, please, go uh, ahead. The whole reason I had both of you on was so I wouldn't have to talk that much. I have heard, you know, the talk all along from the moment that they dealt the pick was that 2020 is like an exceptionally strong draft year and if you had to take the choice you should want to miss the playoffs this year and keep the pick so that you give up the pick next year a year removed from hearing that sentiment at the time of the trade how true is that i think it's just true based on the the like reality of the canucks themselves i mean you look at their five on five numbers and they profile like the leafs when they made the playoffs by virtue of luck the minnesota wild uh, the Colorado Avalanche, on and on, right? Like, this isn't a durable winner, and you look at their cap concerns, and it's pretty difficult to envision a scenario where they somehow get better over the offseason, right? So I think that you kind of have to make an adjustment there where it's like the Canucks picking 17th this year. I mean, realistically, they could get worse next year, right? And then you go, well, what if they're picking 13th next year? Would you rather give up 13th next year or 17th this year? And I think the answer is 17th. Like, lock in that cost certainty because, like, basically if Jacob Markstrom returns to just being a slightly above average NHL starter as opposed to, like, God mode, this team is so fucked. And I, I love that there's finally a show where I can say that. And Vias, I can fucking hear you turning your PlayStation on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Vias is still... I don't think Vias' mic has shown up yet, so his... Wait, what? He's just recording off... Oh, that off, mic, yeah. Yeah, he's just recording off the mic on his computer, so you can just no. hear everything that's going on in the background. It's great. I also like how Vias could have just clicked yeah. mute myself button while he ate croutons during JD's very good speech. He has a mute <laughs> option that he refuses to use. He could be eating as many fucking croutons as he wants, <laughs> and we'd never have to know about it. He could be Scarface, just like breaking down the croutons right next to his mic, just fucking inhaling them. But no, he's like, uh, fellas, uh, I got a question. Can I, like, eat croutons, like, on the mic? You know? <laughs> yeah. just, God damn it. Um, Is it gay to eat would croutons you guys... without a salad? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you close so, the fridge when you get them. At this point, <laughs> okay, either, that's the only one you guys get for that one. Do either of you guys actually think they're going to be able to resume the season at any point this year? I think they're going to try. And like they're they're every person I'm talking to is like, yeah, no, they're going to absolutely try to make this happen. And like the interesting thing is that the NHL said. Um, if there is one positive test, we're not going to shut up, sh uh, shut down shop, right? And it's like, well, that's not how. That's yeah, insane. Th th that's not how literally any other league that's trying to and, reopen and is doing business. Honestly, we had Michael Delzato on the radio last Somebody month. Somebody knows a thing or two about diseases. And I have never in my <laughs> life considered Michael Delzato to be a smart guy about anything. Uh, and yet hey, he, he was putting Bill Daly on on blast, <laughs> being like, if even one person is at risk to lose their life, none of this is worth it, which is extremely true. Wow. And, yeah. you know, Good for pairs him. up to MDZ hey. making strong points and coming out swinging against the executive vice president of the NHL. Hey, so, whoa, was well, it makes all the sense that he would be. The <clears throat> it would make all the sense that he would be there. I mean, his home country just like went through some real huge shit <laughs> so. but but like the the most recent proposal 
or at least what we've been hearing from the BC government and, uh, you know, our friend Patrick Johnston has been hinting at in his province reporting. Proposal Laduccio. Is that, uh, you know, BC could play host to the entire league. And that does make some form of sense to me because I do think, like, unless you want to go to Saskatchewan or someplace that doesn't have the infrastructure to house all these teams with all the arenas you would require, like, BC is kind of handling the outbreak better than any place in North America pretty well. Like, the real hurdle towards bringing the league back is playing any games in America. Like, sorry, that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't send players back to the States. Bring everybody to BC, sit them down for two weeks, and open training camps like a week after that. Yes, if if anyone catches it, shut it down. I fully agree with that. But the if you were to ask me a month and a half ago, is this feasible? Could they play or resume a regular season? I would have said absolutely not, no. This is where my wrestling expertise actually does proved to be a benefit here because I have been waiting for a wrestler in any company, whether it's AEW or WWE, to catch COVID for two months now. It seemed like, a, you know, an inevitability that, of course, someone would. Especially in Florida. No one has. And they are testing rigorously yeah. on that oh, wow. front. So, like, as crazy as it sounds, as impossible as it might seem to resume the NHL entirely in British Columbia, if you're giving people tests every single time they enter the building before they're allowed to, you know, hit the dressing room or anything like that, you can probably catch it pretty well. And I would imagine that it is feasible that no one would get it because no one's gotten it in wrestling so far and they've been putting it on events for two months now. Fair enough. I I guess my, my next question yeah, that's, would that's be... Yeah, that's the longest we're ever going to talk about wrestling on this show, just letting you know. <laughs> uh, my next question would, would just be how... So I understand that it's feasible based on the plans they're laying forward, but how would you gauge how realistic it is that they can actually make all these pieces come together and hold games? Um, the one, the thing that I've been wondering about is how you get the PA to agree to it, but I, what do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's a really interesting angle because if they're played in Canada, I mean, like, you're talking about a six- to eight-week protocol to get them to the area where they're going to be playing. And then that's before they can even set foot in a rink. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, like NHLers reputations are well established for not being the greatest of family men, but even that's asking a lot of these people, right? Especially if like the proposal to move the, the games to like the Okanagan or whatever comes through. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting component. I think ultimately, like, this is doomed to fa uh, doomed to failure. And, and I think, like, the amount of air travel that would be necessary to pull it off, the amount of people that would be de descending upon these communities at once, like, it just seems impossible. And I, I know they're going to try and pull it off. I, I you know, I, I think it's best for everybody if they can do that, right? Like, it's good for business. Uh, good for me, good for Justin. No, it'll be super good for me if every single NHL team is broadcasting out of the Vancouver area, Chetland. like, you know, I, I'm, I might be working multiple games a day every day if they attempted to do this. So, you know, I just like as a broadcast technician. So, yeah, I, I would hope they try to do it. I need the work. But, what know, happens when, like, test, one... Though. They're going to test positive, like, yeah. so quick into this, and they're going to have to shut down shop. Like, that's... I, I can't see it going down any other way. I've been leaving the house to go to work and work at the radio station 
since this started, and I don't have it. So you are one person, though. We're talking Whatever. about like three hundred out. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. How many people do you think <laughs> are on the up. WWE roster on a week-to-week basis? Sixty-nine. <sighs> I get a his lot. point. What did I say? I understand what he's saying. What happened? Uh, what I'm actually curious about is like, what about community response? If you're if you're in Kelowna, or even even if you're just in Vancouver, um, and you just want to stop this from happening, if you're a community group. Uh, that would look really bad in the league that they're just forcing something onto a community that is like probably justifiably worried that like bringing this much activity into their town will look. It it is a risk. You can't say this is a zero percent risk at all. Yeah. Right? And no, I mean like it's really nice of Smart Vias to join us. Uh, Justin, do you want to handle the question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like live in Rutland, just outside of Kelowna, you're probably already protesting that your gym won't reopen. So you could just move from that <laughs> protest over to the protest at the Rexall Center. <laughs> <laughs> to me, wearing a mask and like being herded onto a train are the same thing. Elliot, did you want to say something? I feel like I heard you trying. No, to yeah, say I was going to start. I was just going to say basically what Jamo said, except not as a joke. Just that the people who are concerned about the whole pandemic thing haven't been protesting because they're not willing to gather in large groups. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. We're protesting that this is all fake. Don't think it's real and are hanging out in big groups and protesting things. So pandemic. Can I, can I just like have a moment right now to to, like for you guys, because like, I feel like you had to put up with like really sad JD post breakup. Like, I would just want to talk about how funny it is that my ex is dating like one of these pandemic freaks and, yeah, that rules. Hell yes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that rules. Yeah, like, I, I, oh, man. Anyway, I, I just thought that was funny and that I should share what the guys had to put up with all the That's women. great. I'm very glad that you, uh, I'm very glad that you told us that. So the main reason I had you guys on was to talk a little bit about the endless saga of Judd Brackett that's, you know, the entire city has been embroiled in for what feels like the last month, but could be less or more. Uh, my entire sense of time has kind of been destroyed ever since the start of quarantine. But sorry, um, sorry hang on. Not, that guy's not JD's what, dad. What right? uh, what story are we talking about here? I thought there was I thought there was a a more a moratorium put on these discussions. You must be this tall to talk about Judd, and you meet the requirements. <laughs> well, thank you, JD. <laughs> did, what did Andrew Walker not? They are trying not to ever talk about it because they're bored of the uh, only thing that's happening in the entire NHL. But, you know, that's that's a decision. So I guess uh, since the bracket blackout, since we opened uh, up the discussion on uh, on those terms, what do you guys think of the whole idea that the sort of breakdown in the relationship between Judd Brackett and the Canucks is not a story and that, uh, you know, fans, it's weird that they care so much about this. I'd be intrigued to get both of your takes you, you on cut that. cut out for a second, but I think I got the gist of your question. I think, like, I talked about this a bit on Rinkwide, um, and, like, it's totally true. Like, how fortunate are you if you're in Vancouver right now? Like, could you imagine trying to be a, a, somebody who's a part of the Nashville Predators beat right now? Like, what the fuck Ooh. are you talking about? You know, and like the same thing for for the Canucks. Like, if there aren't games being played, uh, we don't have the draft coming up with a firm date. We don't have any idea of when free agency is going to happen. Like, what the fuck else do you have to talk about? 
Like, what, what are you rushing to discuss in depth beyond this? And further to that, even if everything was still happening, even if there was no COVID shutdown, even if every league was still active, even if the Canucks were currently in the second round of the playoffs as we speak, this would still be the top story in this market because the only reason Jim and John have jobs right now is because of their draft record. If you want to point to the number one thing that these guys do well as being drafting, you need to take it seriously when the entire process that has led to success here looks like it's been compromised because of you know, ego as the best explanation and literally no reason as the worst explanation. Well, I, I mean, like, the other thing, too, is, you know, we can get into the meat of the discussion of, like, why this is happening, what it means for the team, yada, yada. But even on the media side, like, how lucky are we to be in a market where this matters? Yeah, this is not a dead horse. You know this is I mean? a gift horse, and you're looking it in the mouth instead of celebrating that <laughs> you just got given the greatest steed this market could possibly ask for right now. <clears throat> uh, extremely Vios voice. Uh, guys, I got a question. Uh, any instances of a gift horse in history? Uh, anything we can cite? <laughs> uh, Vios, uh, uh, horses... I thought Vyas was going to ask if a steed was a kind of horse. Horses are uh, what uh, uh, Viggo Mortensen rode over the dunes in Hidalgo, Vyas. Just, uh... Hey, guys, I, I got a question. Um, what does the uh, bully from the Breakfast Club have to do with the Canucks? <laughs> Listener, I caught none of that. <laughs> He's too busy munching on croutons. The crunch filled his ears. Yeah, he's, he's playing chill I, right I, now. I am, I, I am literally playing chill right now. I have a question, though. Just let me see if I remember it. Uh, <laughs> How do you do deeks with the left stick? <laughs> okay, okay. actually, if anybody knows how to do the Forsberg deke and like can explain it to an idiot, uh, please. Uh, okay, no question. Uh I loved seeing how much bad press that uh, the Canucks got from from the bracket stuff, and like it really it really was shown to me when the hockey news article came out that was like the be- potentially the best free agent in the market is Judd Brackett. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on in ownership's mind? Because like this looks terrible for the team. Oh, that's a very good question. Actually, I mean, like, yeah, jackass. <laughs> um... Come to think of it, actually, I, I feel like it would have been better asked by Jackson. But uh, I mean, like, that's, a, that's something that got asked to me on one of my recent radio hits, right? Like, why has there been no organizational pushback to this story? And then the, the obvious answer is like, well, they fired the guy who was responsible for that. I mean, sorry, they, they amicably fired him. Um, it was a conscious uncoupling. Yes, of course, of course. And and the other answer to that is they tried. Like, they, they trotted Jim Benning out for a article with ian mcintyre after like denying access to every other writer like as soon as any other writer in the market asks about judd brackett they get nowhere right and uh they they won't get jim benning on record about it they won't get to talk to him directly but they get jim benning to talk to ian mcintyre for that article and he goes yeah we're negotiating with him and then literally the next day sadiar shaw puts out a report and he's like yeah no they haven't been negotiating for six months right so it's like it's always good when sportsnet 650 is the one leading the charge on the negative news yeah yeah no i mean like that's the thing like i i said it on friday they can't really push back against this story because there's four people from different outlets reporting the exact same thing also there's no defense you know Every time they come out, it gets worse 
because they're called on a lie. Jim Benning keeps lying and making everything worse for himself. Well, yeah, that, like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, they tried to come out. They tried to meet this head on through that Ian McIntyre article. It was and, bullshit. And literally 24 hours later, the exact same venue was like, no, they actually haven't been negotiating for like probably six months now. So the, that's why the organization can't push back. And, and you know, whether uh, Francesco notices or cares, I mean, I, I don't have a clue, right? Like, he's, it's, it's so fascinating to look at his arc as the Canucks owner and be like, Dave Nonis won missed playoffs, out. Mike Gillis won missed playoffs, out. And the amount of, I, I, like, patience almost to a fault that he's had with this regime has been just like a truly something that's been mesmerizing because it's so hard to countenance with the results. And like, I want to believe that this is such an enormous blunder that's only going to get significantly worse for the team on the PR front as this goes on and, you know, stretches into the summer and more and more things come out after the contract expires. Uh, but ultimately, like, we're talking about a guy who went from being marginalized under Trevor Linden to convincing ownership to fire the most beloved player in the history of the franchise from his post as president. Like John Weisbrod is, is a made man. He is a snake charmer and Francesco Aquilini is a Cobra dancing along to the music right now. It's funny. I was was listening or not listening. I I was was reading. I was about to say that too. Yeah. Jason Botchford's last article on this because I was just trying to get on the up and up and he like, it's so funny, people coming at me for my reporting and then reading what Botch wrote about when Trevor Linden was fired and calling it the Night of the Long Knives. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I guess I don't have to worry, actually. No. I miss Jason Botchford so much right now. Shout out to him. If there one. was, yeah, if there was any man who was born to cover hockey during the midst of a global pandemic, it was him. I was, I think I mentioned this to each of you earlier, but um, I just can't. I just keep picturing an episode of the podcast where the whole is this a story thing gets brought up and oh Botch just screaming, of course it's a fucking story! <laughs> yeah. There's not even any hockey! <laughs> the fuck else are you going to talk about? Well, yeah. No, thousand percent. Thousand. That's so uh, good. By the way, it is much less scary uh, to hear. Wait, that was, wait, was that Jack? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's much less scary to hear you do that uh, when we're not in the same room. Because sometimes Jackson will do that out of nowhere, and I'm sitting right next to him. And uh, Yeah, the uh, the dog uh, that lives with the people above me is barking now, and I'm pr- pretty convinced Rachel is probably terrified. So, um, you know, but I, I did it all for the content. Worth what can it. I say? Worth it. So I'm glad you brought up uh, – <laughs> I'm glad you brought up John Wisebrod because – he is really the fascinating figure to me in all of this. And yes, what do you and see, the Palpatine? I, I, I want to be clear about something. When you refuse to talk about this story, it's that you're refusing to criticize a guy who has a lengthy track record of miserable failure across multiple different franchises, across multiple fucking sports. Like, yeah. So let's let's get into that a little bit. The thing that, just blew my mind. Uh, I mean, God, researching John Wisebrod, there's a lot of different avenues you can open up. But I think a good place to start is his time with the Orlando Magic. What can you, what can you guys tell me about that? 
Um, he is the least popular general manager in the history of the franchise. He was checked into witness protection by the FBI after trading Tracy McGrady and saying, he's a Robin, he'll never be a Batman. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the one thing about this element that's wait pardon are you serious about the witness protection yes yeah. oh yeah yeah he got like what he got death that's threats. crazy he was receiving death wow. threats from fans who were rightly fucking furious that he destroyed their franchise because he didn't like t-mac so you're telling me he also works with the feds <laughs> he, yeah he's an i wouldn't well, be surprised he's, he's got connections to the divas yeah he's like, he's, he's in with the, the trump Admin, yeah. And you know who else is in that family? Fucking Eric Prince, the Blackwater guy. Yes, absolutely. So so this is, I'm glad you opened this up because this was probably the... Yeah, we're, we're about to talk about Venezuela here, folks. <laughs> this is probably the thing that most shocked me when I was learning about John Wisebrod was that, so the man who owned the Orlando Magic when and the Orlando Solar Bears, which was how... Wisebrod ended up getting his job with the Magic in the first place was that he was the GM of the Solar Bears and then was somehow promoted to working for the Orlando Magic. It makes no sense. But uh, Richard DeVos was the guy who owned uh, each of those teams. And his daughter-in-law is Betsy DeVos, the right. uh, Secretary of Education. And so she's Betsy Prince, right? Well, like okay, you don't need to be so patriarchal about it, DeVos. <laughs> and her um her brother Elliot is... starts working with one woman. <laughs> <laughs> and her brother is Eric Prince, who is the CEO or founder or whatever of Blackwater, the uh fucking the, the small group. town that you travel to in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. But yeah, I how on a scale of one to ten, how uh scared should Canucks fans be of the potential you know, power being taken away from Judd and given to John Wisebrod. How how scared should fans be of that? Uh, I, I just want I just want to quickly first like Yoss, answer you that fucking really dumbass. I was answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm afraid of is that when we do inevitably uh, buy like uh, nationalize a team, that immediately a small private military force <laughs> <laughs> hired by Wisebrod and his family will suddenly descend on Rogers Arena and take it back, and it's gonna be it's gonna be bloody. Yeah, but. Knowing knowing the Canucks, they'll probably um they'll probably fuck it up and pull like a Venezuelan coup and just hire like the Larchcasters to do it. <laughs> and then the Costco employees outside will catch them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what, Vias? I'm I'll you know what I'll I'll cop to an apology for yelling at you. Like if you just had like a little bell you could ring before Smart Vias was gonna join the conversation. <laughs> Like, I would know to just not yell at you and be mean. I mean, John Weisbrod really is like the Juan Guaido of hockey, so it's a perfect metaphor, I think. That's pretty true, actually. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be slightly more um, <laughs> diplomatic, I guess. Um, let me be clear. Uh, so, like, here's here's what I will say about John Weisbrod's drafting and scouting record. Um, when he was in charge of the amateur process at the uh, Calgary Flames draft table. He was entrusted to produce NHL assets from the tr the two landmark trades of their rebuild, whether it was Jerome Ginla or Jay Bomeister. He produced zero NHLers out of those two trades with the draft picks and prospects that they acquired. Not a single long-term NHLer. This was not long before he was hired too, right? Nope. By the Canucks? It wasn't long at all. 
So uh, take take that bit of information and, and treat it as you will. And the thing that bothers me the most about, you know, the refusal to even engage with this subject by some in the market, and especially the refusal to criticize John Weisbrod and simply present him as having a distinct managerial style that some people just don't like. And in fact, it's perfectly natural for disputes to pop up in the workplace. <laughs> uh, you know, some of the people who are presenting that narrative worked in Calgary when they had a front row seat to this guy just tanking the Flames' rebuilding process. He has a history of failure, cataclysmic failure, picking a guy ranked in the mid-third round in the early 20s and proclaiming live on television that he was going to be the best player selected in the entire draft. Like the scouts this I talk to like still laugh about that. They think it of, of it as like the funniest moment ever, just because like... <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know, maybe nobody cares, but like, I'm sure somebody, maybe myself at least, has noticed that like I am always preaching, like, okay, let's walk this back about prospect X, Y, and Z just because the numbers aren't in your favor, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. absolutely. The people who are best at this job, like the absolute best people in the world at the NHL draft are batting 300. The odds are so far against you. So, like, you're never going to. You're never going to talk somebody up as like this insanely good player unless you really think they deserve it. You're willing to stick your neck out or it's like a top 10 pick, right? And it's like, how the hell do you do that for somebody at 21st overall that you like confidently proclaim this kid from Quebec high school is going to be the best player in his class? Like, it's just, wow, that's that's a, a bit of discretion that, uh, or, or sorry, a lack of discretion rather that one has to just admire almost on some level. And, like, I want to be clear on something as well. Let me be clear. Uh, (laughs) You know, like... If you like your pick, you can keep it. I have a lengthy history of criticizing this regime. I am on record on multiple podcasts saying I cannot wait for the day that Jim and John are fired. That is true. That's all true. But that shouldn't mean that you write off what I have to say on this topic. Because... I think JD framed it perfectly on Twitter earlier this week. You know, remove dislike and personal biases from the equation and look at what is going on here. It is to the credit of John Weisbrod and Jim Benning that they have had allowed a collaborative approach with the opinions of people they disagree with to shape the way they have drafted this team. You know, this has mm-hmm. been a collaborative mm-hmm. process that has benefited all involved. So why are you doing anything to upset the apple cart, especially when this is the only avenue of team building that you've had actual success in? Trades have largely been a disaster. Free agent signings are just a burning pile of tires in a garbage heap. Like, you know, <laughs> drafting is the only thing these guys have to hang their hat on, and they are doing the same thing that they've done to every other other element of the team and it's if there are disagreements if there are people who are telling you no well we demand loyalty so get the fuck out of here and you know that's trump shit man like that's mafioso shit to to think that everybody has to agree with me we all have to be on the same page you know so extremely cool daniel wagner had the best example Star Wars, A New Hope, is only good because everybody pushed back against George Lucas and told him when he was being a fucking dipshit moron. 
Do you want That's a new true. hope yeah, or do you good. want the Phantom Menace? Because the way they I are know which one Jackson wants. Uh, the way the way they are shaping this organization is to create a situation where it is staffed entirely by yes men telling you what you want to hear, and that's never going to generate positive results. So something you touched on, JD, is basically how slim the margins of success are when you work in scouting. And, you know, how many kicks at the can you need to actually get a a real player. So I'd be curious to get your take on these sort of endless uh, arguments and discussions that are relitigated over and over and over again about who was responsible for which pick. Because I feel like this is something that you have talked about, you've reported on a little bit, but that people have possibly willfully or possibly not uh, misunderstood. So what do you think about these constant arguments about whether this or that pick was a Judd pick or a Jim John pick? Like, I, I think that ultimately it doesn't really matter who... I mean, like, part of being a leader is listening to and empowering the people that are in positions either adjacent you or beneath you or, or lateral. That's right, Jackson. Shut the fuck up, Vias. Let me talk. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm defending Jackson. Like, this is how far you pushed me. Fuck. Um, but like, no, I, I think that's a big part of being a manager. And when you hear things like, you know, the Cody Glass pick or, or Elise Pedersen pick and Cody Glass controversy. And I report that Jim Benning and John Weisbrod wanted Cody Glass, but they ended up taking Elias Pedersen. Now, granted, that's an instance where I think Trevor Linden wielded the hammer and kind of laid down the law there. Right. But like if the Canucks took Cody Glass in that spot, I wouldn't have battered an eye. That would have been a wholly reasonable pick, and the franchise would have would have added a great potential first line center for the trouble. Well, you were still you were still um, managing editor at Canucks Army when that draft happened, correct? Correct, correct. So from what from my recollection of that draft, these are the same arguments and discussions we were having about our own draft list. Specifically with regards to Glass and Pedersen. Yeah, yeah. No. There was a ton of, of like, and it, and the arguments weren't necessarily like, you're an idiot if you think this person goes there. I, I, I remember everyone basically being, you know, the consensus was Glass and Pedersen, it's very close. Mm. They're both really good forwards, and it kind of depends on what your personal slant is or what you're looking for. And so, like, I don't judge the Canucks for having that same, those same kind of debates and ultimately they made the right call. So it's sort of not important whose call it was at the end of the day. It would seem to me that the most important thing is that you made the right call because you collaborate. So why would you want to shrink the size of the the group? That's the important point. Like if, if the Canucks ended up taking glass or whatever, then because like let's imagine a world where they don't have Judd Brackett or Amy Hammerstrom and they leave that draft instead with Cody Glass like nobody bats an eye but instead of hitting like a, a you know a, a ground I don't know a baseline double or whatever I, I totally mixed up the sure. term instead of hitting a double they hit a grand slam right and the reason they hit the grand slam was because they had so many contradictory voices within that front office and I, I think that ultimately it doesn't really matter who was on which side of that debate. Like the the conversation that matters is they had enough voices in the room to eventually reach the right conclusion. And now all three of the people that who were remote who were most responsible for shifting that conversation towards Pedersen 
are going to be outside of the organization within three years. Like that's that's really weird. And not just outside of the organization, but like knife in the back, booted. Yeah, well, I mean, like, no, maybe not Inga Hammerstrom, but yeah, he hasn't worked anywhere else since. So I don't know if it was like a retirement or he just left. Like, I need to do some digging there. But like, at least two of them would be, you know, jettisoned. I guess is the right way to put it. Can I tell you, you're wrong though. Also, like, sure, like I understand it. this is the this is the polite approach to having this conversation. This is the the reasoned way that you can get, you know, Benning Bros to use that term on your side with this. But ultimately, I do think it is important to analyze who is responsible for that pick because that is like when Judd was empowered by Trevor Linden to have autonomy. Like, yeah. like that is the exact moment that argument be he overruled his GM and AGM to put the power in the hands of his head scout. And that it was the power dynamic for two years. And that was also the moment. That the GM and AGM who got overruled became just consumed by bitterness to like reverse that dynamic and get back to the kind of power they wish they'd had from the start. Like that is what we've seen play out in the three years since then. So I do think it is important to assess who was on what side of that and how that played out and how it is affecting motives for vengeance ultimately yeah but i mean like imagine, <laughs> years down the line imagine it was just a room full of oh okay I'll, I'll walk this back imagine it was just like we're here we are right now and there isn't that divide like they're not jettisoning jettisoning judd from the organization right then i think that it is an irrelevant conversation i think the fact that it is a relevant conversation right now is more a reflection on a failure of leadership from Jim Benning than it is a re uh, reflection of his failure as a scout. Because, mm -hmm. like, my, my number one rule is pick somebody reasonable, and with the wealth of information that NHL teams get that we don't, like, I, I will never accost someone for that pick, if that makes sense. I I do agree, JMO, that it is relevant, and it is worth um, discussing, specifically because I think a lot of people don't really understand what what kind of effect the general manager has on the draft and what's a um, what is reasonable to give the general manager sole credit for and where you have to sort of look at the other people that are in the organization and the individual scouts and the head of scouting. But the issue here is that you have a lot of sort of credulous dullards online um, believing Look, I'll just say it. Like someone out there is lying about who is responsible for Pedersen entering on their radar and eventually being selected. Yeah, it was it and, was the WHL scout. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right, that's where I I can't say that's a lie. You know, I, I because I, I don't want to I don't want to call someone out and I'll say, say it. you're a liar. That's a lie, but. But yeah, I mean, that's not what I've heard, and it's not what most of the people that I trust have heard. But, you know, unfortunately, it's information that's out there, and you have to engage with it. And so that's why I think it's important to sort of recenter the question around, or the conversation around the collaborative process because it's sort of indisputable. You're not arguing over over the minutiae of who was responsible for what. Yeah, I mean I mean that's the thing, right? Like if there's a stronger leader in place, perhaps a more confident one, then it's not a like it's not even a germane con uh, point of the conversation period, right? That's what I'm saying. Like if Jim Benning Fair is enough. willing to just say 
well, this is working great for me. Like I was talked out of a decision that would have been harmful for the organization. Like this is awesome. I think that we've got the right process. Here. And also he still gets all the credit from fucking everyone. Like people like you and I know might know who's ultimately responsible for this. Maybe some smart fans think they know who's ultimately responsible for things. But whenever you hear from a Toronto-based media person Anybody on the East Coast, national media figure from anywhere outside of Vancouver. What is the conversation around this team always? Well, well, built a young Jim Benning's great at drafting. He's built a great team. I don't understand why he takes so much criticism. Like, everybody gives him all the credit. So this narrative that, like, they're mad that Judd gets too much credit for shit. Who fucking... Why are you listening to what I think? You, like... How, how do smart people, you know, who well, that's that's a fail. That's what I'm saying. Though. Like, that's just a failure in leadership. Like, I think that if we if we make the convert, it's also a failure in journalistic integrity. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, but I mean, like, hey, if, uh, if we center credulous, credulous sir, fuck, you're bad at this. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? So you'll <laughs> let him finish. Go back to eating croutons. <laughs> it was also that he interrupts. Yeah, him. sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, line. where was I? Like, if you center the the conversation around who is the better drafter. I think you're missing the forest for the trees. I think the conversation needs to be about a strong leader who is confident in his abilities being willing to surround himself with people who will tell him no. And I think that Daniel did a good job of articulating that point in his article for uh, Pass It to Bulis. And, and actually, he prefers it when you call him Bulis. So sorry about that, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elliot, um, I think you you must have the weakest signal or something because I could tell you were going to say something. Oh, there. I was just complaining about Bios. It's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Credulous Dullard here. Um, is Judd Brackett the closest thing that we've had to the potato? Like <laughs> Sham, the, Sham uh, Sharon? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sham Sharon? Or Sham yeah. Sharon, however. Have we, have we basically... Have we, whatever. Have we lost the potato? We, well, it, we, we moved past the potato. It's it's a Sham Sharon world now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I had another really quick question. Uh, yeah. Legitimately, like uh, Inger Ham, Inga Ham, Ingi Hammerstrom. Ingi. Uh, Ingi Oh my Ingi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, I know they work for the Canucks, but could you kind of Swedish-based scout who brought Pedersen to their attention? the earliest i'd be happy uh so he's out well yeah but it, he's like 72 years old so i don't want to like say that he was fired i don't want to say that he was jettisoned like he's just not in the hockey world anymore did they kill him <laughs> no <laughs> okay. they, they put him into the into the fountain in logan's run i just uh i just want to make one more point on this which is like so much of the reporting is, uh, you know, questioning the motives of these leaks and saying, like, uh, you know, like, uh, if they're mad at Judd Brackett, I mean, we're seeing the demonstration of why they should be mad, because where's all this information coming from? Like, casting the, uh, the fault of a whistleblower on the whistleblower. It's like, stop and think about why they're speaking up in the first place. Like, how severe do the problems have to be that we get to the point that people are willing to 
you know, leak out information like this in the first place. And also the idea that like, oh, it's impossible that everything that Jim and John did was bumbling idiots screwing everything up and everything that Judd Brackett did was perfect. Things just don't work that way. Think about it. How could that be possible? My answer to that would be there's only one Jim and John in the league, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's fully believable to me that they are just bumbling morons. So uh, there's Thanos, no part of that. Thanos here. I would like to push back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you need to find absolute balance, like the knife on your finger. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's just fully conceivable to me that these two are uniquely stupid. Like, what about sure, their no, performance I, I or, uh, like, even personas doesn't lend itself to that? Like, come on. Wow, you're just you're spitting the fire here. I I think that's entirely reasonable. Like, I, I, I'm sort of on the side of... I don't know. I, I watched Burn After Reading recently, and... Uh, something that's been on my mind a lot, both in, in terms of hockey and in terms of politics too, and just culture in general, is that like the distinction between being evil and Machiavellian and, you know, uh, conspiring to do a bunch of different, um, insidious shit and just being an idiot who makes a bunch of mistakes and then bad things happen, that, that's like a distinction without a difference. Like yeah, like I don't yeah. think John Weisbrot is evil. I just think he has Dunning Kruger. Like yeah, you know? I think I think from that family you might you might be evil. Yeah, well it's it's. Uh, I mean, like if you if you've got ties to the DeVos family, I, I'm I'm just I'm not gonna like, call him evil. I'm not saying I'm that say... his hockey decisions are evil. He's just <laughs> too stupid to know he's stupid. It's worth noting though that the way that John Weisbrot was able to basically get into sports ma sports management in Orlando through the Solar Bears and then the Orlando Magic was by cozying up to the team's owner. Um, and I'm not, like, I don't want to throw out any allegations or whatever. It's all speculation or, or and whatnot, but I, that's out there. We know that that's a thing that happened while he was in Orlando. And, you know, it's kind of been his M.O., from the get-go to just pull scorched earth on anyone he doesn't like. So I mean, I, I referenced earlier the circumstances surrounding Trevor Linden's firing. Like, if you can pull that off, what can't you do? Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. The night of the long knives, man. Like, I, I, that's been, like, burned into my brain this week, like, reading that botch article. So... And thinking to myself, like, people getting mad at me for my reporting. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry? Like, this was from two years ago. Uh, anybody have some thoughts on this? Okay. Yeah, complaints from a guy with that, like, rip botch Avi. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Always. Exactly. My favorite type. Always, yeah. Um, so I guess the one other thing I, I wanted to ask you specifically, JD, um, for anyone who hasn't heard it, the, I believe, most recent episode of Rinkwide where you guys interviewed Craig Button and also got into the um, the whole Brendan Leipzig thing, which listeners, just as parenthetically, we will be talking about that on a later episode. I just wanted to have JMO and JD on specifically to talk about the Judd stuff. But um, something that Craig... Yeah, you do not want to hear their opinions on Leipzig. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was excellent, actually. Um, even even Wadden had... how how deep into a relationship do you have to be before you ask about Judd stuff? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god, that was very good. Um, when you guys had Craig something. on, something that he talked about was basically how 
important it is for a GM to to empower his scouts because general managers basically just can't be in a thousand places at once. So what do you think about the sort of story that's out there or the speculation that's out there ambiently that Jim Benning wants to have more control over the scouting department? Is that a good thing? Should people be worried about that? I mean, like, I, I, don't, I actually don't think it's necessarily Jim Benning who wants control of the amateur scouting. I think it's mostly John. Ron DeLorme. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly John Weisbrod, and that's what I've been reporting. This right. is a power play by Ron DeLorme to get back at the fact that he's not being credited with drafting Pedersen. Well, we'll, we'll get to Ron DeLorme in a second. <laughs> is Weisbrod the Dick Cheney of this situation? Yes! 100%, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, that's that's what I've reported based on what I've heard from multiple sources. But, I mean, like, it's it's really kind of... It's not a good reflection of the front office if that is the case, and it's a total failure of leadership if that is the case. I'm just imagining, uh, now that you've invoked Dick Cheney Vias, how many people uh, on the call right now have seen uh, W, Oliver Stone's I w. have absolutely I have seen not. it. Okay, the scene where Dick Cheney reveals the grand plan is to stay in Iraq forever. (laughs) I'm just imagining that scene, except it's John Weisbrod, and he's like, and we stay in the basement, (laughs) drafting top five forever. I that's not the only um that's not the only parallel you can draw either. I can very easily picture uh Jim Benning reenacting the choking on a pretzel scene. <laughs> okay, here's here's my input for this. This is all I have to say. Halliburton Gill. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I tried to work that into something bigger. I was like, nope, nope, that's good on its own. So, but you you can't be a GM or an AGM and a scout at the same time, right? Well, the, I, no. I mean, like you, if you're an AGM, I think the, your role is more forgiving. I mean, like that was ke- what uh, Kelly McCrimmon did in in Vegas, but it's pretty rare, right, that somebody can pull off both of those jobs at the same time successfully. Yeah, Kelly McCrimmon can do it. Kelly McCriminal cannot. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, okay, you're, you're keeping that one in. You are actually lower than Vios <laughs> on my this call power rankings right now. So my last, the last thing I wanted to talk about because it is a, a scouting related thing is, um, what do you guys make of the recent uh, development in the discourse uh, towards defending Ron Delorme and talking about how? he doesn't get enough credit in the Canucks uh, in terms of Canucks well, scouts and their, the, the, the gems Patrick they've White? unearthed. Yes, well, that is the guy who picked Patrick White, Vias. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I how many WHL picks have they made that became NHLers? Like, I mean, am I missing something here? I, I heard a, a prominent radio host on the other station recently make the case to JD that, uh, in fact, Ron DeLorme is an excellent scout, and the only reason he made horrible picks over the years and has really never succeeded at the draft ever is because he has such bad advisors 
convincing him to make all the bad picks. But he himself is uh, unimpeachable. And, of course, everything about this opinion makes sense and is defensible and is something you should say on the radio uh, for people to hear in public. That you know, makes, I think it's great. That makes zero sense. That would be like me saying, like, like, if you guys all told me to stick a bunch of pins in my dick, I would still be a moron <laughs> if I did it. Like, <laughs> No, man, all the cool kids are doing it. It gives your urethra speed holes. <laughs> yeah, that's like the welfare version of a Prince Albert. We call that a Duke Albert, actually. <laughs> okay, uh, isn't he like 80 years old? Who, Ron DeLorme? He, he's he's yeah. getting up there in age. Like, I, I, I remember him being pretty old like when, when, we, when we had him as a, as a chief uh, amateur. I want to so. just... As an aside here, I want to say that, like, from what I've heard about Ron DeLorme, he actually seems like a pretty great guy. And he's, he's the nicest person And he's ever. been involved with a lot of... He's, um, like, Métis or something, I think. And he is, uh, he's been involved with a lot of sort of indigenous, uh, like, activism and stuff. And so, like, that's cool. And I, I just, for the sake of fairness, wanted to get that out there because it wouldn't be Roxy Fever if we didn't congratulate hockey people for meeting the just bar that is on the floor of... Oh, <laughs> Like, you know, I'm sure Matt Sakaris is right. I'm sure that Ron is a delightful person. But also, who gives a shit? Yeah. That has nothing to do with anything. Uh, let me be clear. Um, if you like your picks, he can't make them. Uh, no, like, he, he <laughs> Look, basic... I, want a, I want a general manager and a scouting department that I can have a beer with. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm... You don't even need to really editorialize with Ron DeLorme. Like he is, yeah, he is a fantastic human by all accounts. But also, when he was running the amateur side of the Vancouver Canucks, they were the worst drafting team in the league. Uh, yeah, when he was running the amateur side of the Vancouver Canucks, Lawrence Gilman and Mike Gillis have both said that they regret not firing him. I mean, like, I, I think you don't even need to, like, add flair to that. Like, it, it all says it right there. And such a different team if they fired him earlier. Honestly, with the mention of Mike Gillis, I just want to say it drives me nuts that the point of comparison when we look at how this regime has drafted is always just to the way Gillis drafted, as if bad drafting was a Mike Gillis-only thing and not a systemic problem that has plagued this organization for 50 Fucking years! It's like it's like blaming the rain in Vancouver on Mike Gillis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, totally. It's I'm sorry, it's endemic to this place. The um the other thing about that too that's so infuriating is that it's like, well, Ron Delorme is good at his job now that Jim Benning is the general manager, but he was bad at his job when Mike Gillis was the general manager, and that's why Mike Gillis was fired. Like it's it's the the single biggest thing that is cited as a blight on Gillis's record because now you can't even cite the goalie thing anymore because it's actually worked out brilliantly um <laughs> which i mean some of that i think is luck but whatever i it is the drafting that's the one thing where it's like well Gillis had to be fired because they were so bad at acquiring amateur talent and they were don't get me wrong they were terrible at it but the to see people come out and defend the guy who was had his hands closest to the levers when those decisions were being made out of anybody. Um, Mike Gillis has nothing to do with drafting Nathan Smith, you know, or <laughs> any number of yeah. first round busts from the decade previous before Mike even took the job. Like this has always been the same guys responsible for all of these awful picks. You know, come on. If what Thomas Gradian hadn't, basically found uh edler playing in some like division three beer league in sweden in uh 2004 or whatever year it was 
Um, the Canucks would have basically never had a good draft where they got like three NHLers. Like that's their only draft from the Delorme era where they got anything cl- like where they where they had a haul. Every other year was complete dog shit. They'd be lucky if they got like one fourth line grinder who played sixty games for them. Well, and like, and like I, I love the people who get so mad about like the tone of my coverage when I've like gone above and beyond to try and be fair and made sure that I've only reported stuff that has like at least two primaries giving me the green light or whatever. Anyway, like the Canucks Army article about Ron Delorme was originally titled "Ron Delorme is a fraud." <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it, like actually, and then it got changed because the the people who were running the show were like, "Hey, we'd much rather not get sued." <laughs> so you know, like I, I don't know. There, there you go. There, there you have it. Can you sue someone for calling you a fraud? Is that I? I don't know. But there was like apparently somebody reaching out, being like, "Uh, you guys should probably change that title." And that's how it became. We think the Canucks may have a scouting problem. Canucks army, more like coward army. <laughs> I'll, you know what I will say is I will say that um, managerial interference with uh, the editorial department has was a problem long before I got there, <laughs> and uh, it hasn't gotten better. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so we're at about an hour and a half here. So I'm just gonna... I just I just want to make one more sure. point on drafting in general, which is also part of the debate around the Pedersen pick in the first place, like. You know, when we talk about the the bare minimum threshold for having a good draft, like everybody goes goo goo gaga over the 2017-2018 drafts that the Canucks had as just being different and better than previous drafts and previous drafts from previous regimes. Uh, you might not like hit on three or four players out of those drafts. You might only get you know the same number that they got out of previous bad drafts. It's the process that's different. And the process that's different is also reflected in the decision to pick Elias Pettersson over Cody Glass. You picked the guy with the higher ceiling, which is what you should always be doing. You know, the reason those drafts are looked at so fondly by fans is because they picked for skill in every single round. And, you know, a, well, except for Christopher Gunnarsson, a guy like <laughs> yes. Petrus Palmu might not pan out. But you know who's never going to pan out? A deaf, blind goon from the WHL <laughs> whose maximum ceiling is being an AHL or 13th forward. Like, for fuck's sake, like, go back over the years. How many times did these guys draft players whose high-end ceiling equals to what you can find on waivers every single week of the regular season. Like, well, and the so, we're doing, so we're doing ableism now, Justin? Is that, <laughs> is that what's happening? Hey, whoa. Um, so we're doing problematics <laughs> over here. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, the thing about, like, the 2017 draft is kind of the crown jewel of the of Judd Brackett's resume uh, with regards to how he's received in Vancouver anyways. And like the thing about the, what you said, Justin, is that even if, you know, Pedersen's the only NHL or they get out of that draft, Cole Lind is already a very good AHL player. And Mikey DiPietro is already a good AHL goalie. So that's already more than they've gotten out of so many drafts in their history. Like, Part as much as you can like 
obviously you judge you ultimately judge drafts and and picks on like how that player did at the NHL level. I think that it's worth noting whether or not like how much you got out of a player. If you got a guy who played in your AHL organization for a while and was always like a possible call up, that's a lot more value than a guy who you never even signed to an ELC. Even and if who you knows and, and who knows how good of an AHL or Petrus Palmu might be right now if he played for a coach that doesn't hate European forwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Um, my, my very last thing I wanted to ask you guys, we could probably talk about it for a long time, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What do you make of <laughs> like the fact that Jim Benning is now the second longest tenured um, oh. general manager of the Vancouver Canucks with two total playoff wins in his first year. He's n- and he's now been the, I mean, by virtue of being the second longest tenured general manager, I guess, but he's now been the general manager longer than Mike Gillis. And yet still the patience has not seemed to run out uh, among people in the media or a lot of the fans. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's just absolutely bizarre because you this team has just been so bad for so long and people are acting like it's still 2016, 2017. Yeah, it's like, how do you... Well, just how does this match with anything this team has ever done in the past? This team has never shown patience and then we get this. Well, yeah, and it's also like five years. Like, it does not take five years to rebuild a team to the point where they're maybe going to make the playoffs. That's and a also, thing that should only take a few years. Also, like... People act like the clock gets reset when you fire Trevor Linden, who was the one guy who was like, hey, let's try something different than this, maybe. And he got ousted by the guys who were like, no, we're going to keep doing the same thing. That's not a clock reset. That's the same game. I'm sorry. And the team has never done any, taken any action that sacrifices fu- current performance for future results. They've always just tried to do as well as they possibly could every single season. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, you said it. I don't know. Like I, I, I still. It's been something that's been picking away at me for years and years and years, and I still don't understand how. Like there are people in the market, a critical mass of people online, certainly, who will say that like the reason why the Canucks were bad over those first few years before Linden was fired was it, it was Linden's fault. He was the dumb guy. And then they got rid of him. And then Benning and Benning and, uh, and Weisbrod got to sort of work their magic. Like this is the most popular player in franchise history. And yet there are so many people who side with the general manager over what, what happened to Canucks fans? Like, what the fuck happened over the past five years? I, I have a hard time imagining that ever happening in the past or when I was a kid. Uh, we got cucked. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This, I this market agree. has been cucked. We're in the zone I, I was, now. I was about to say, I don't know how to word it, but it'd be so funny if like, it, if we found out there was like a 900-page report uh, <laughs> about internal Canucks uh, <laughs> like personal stuff. Yeah, Linden dossier, uh, just like with the Labor Party, that it's just wise broad like planning out how to sabotage linden from the start I certainly would not be surprised if that was the case <laughs> no, i could have no. laid it out first better, we're gonna like, first I'm we're gonna pull up sure. some clips of trevor linden making some strange comments on his on uh palestinian tv in the 90s <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah something that matters jackson I, i'm glad that you brought that up Oh man, that's that's a real deep. Yeah, why too. would Trevor Linden go on Iranian state TV? <laughs> <Yeah>. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> just 
just shows a very broad lack of judgment that I have severe questions about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. You know, well, it, it matters. Beautifully, beautiful deep cut there. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Where can the good people find you? In Content House. On the West End. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, Justin, can we, can we get a Content House? Content House! <laughs> All right, we're cutting that. That's, that's wait, not wait, wait. Yeah, so No promotion out. of... <clears throat> Seriously, though, you can find us at the corner of... And... You could just bleep that out, maybe. <laughs> Though also, it's not a secret from the photos we post. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly, and it's wait, 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 certainly what, what visible in that video. Yeah. Could could you guys explain uh, the the video? So that, yeah, yeah I'm surprised this. we haven't talked about the Larsh cast at all because that's what I thought we were. Well, to I talk about. I mean, I'm always of the opinion that like <laughs> I I don't want to. Like I don't want to talk about them on my show all the time. Yeah, yeah because yeah, I, I do not. It care. could very easily just turn into a show where I talk about um, like dumb stuff that one of the guys said. But it, it I don't want to like, I want to give them more air than they deserve because that's how they they built their brand just by like people quote tweeting them and hate listening to them so i don't want to give them too much uh breathing room here but i, I would love to hear the, the story just to close off about your uh your video that you posted the other day jt well look i mean i think everybody will agree that i've got the heel thing down pretty fucking well <laughs> um like nobody likes to be hated like i do i mean there's there's some people who try to imitate my act but they only get halfway wouldn't you agree justin <laughs> Um, uh, they stand about half as tall as I do in that <laughs> position. <laughs> uh, and, I see what you're getting at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You need to be this tall to be a good heel. So um, <laughs> I I just was like, honest to God, it was the closest I've ever come to mania. Seeing because like all of Twitter for once, it was just like a, a breakthrough moment where every single person I saw on Twitter was like. You fucking piece of shit! You OJD an apology now. <laughs> Amazing. And there was there was like an hour of that, and I just couldn't get enough of it, and it just kept building into this like manic psychosis until eventually I'm like, "Hey, JMO, I need you to film me smoking a cigar, drinking a gin and tonic, wearing an American flag as a bandana, laughing at the large cast." <laughs> and Justin was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> and. That's great. And he kind of put on his, you know, to, to bring everything full circle, he kind of did the Taika Waititi and helped me kind of work through the creative process. Yeah, Perfect. finally he gives some credit to his creative director over here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How many minutes was he talking before we got to that? Fuck. <laughs> well, I, I, we'll, we'll end it on a classic note, shitting on JD. Well, it was uh, a hell of a camera pan. That's all I'm saying. And I feel like I do deserve some You're work. right. It was a good camera was, pan. That was very well that was a very, very steady yeah. hand, I would say. Thank very you. Steady. Thank you, JD. Yeah. As JD was like Howard Ratner out there looking at all the, the reactions coming in, just like, oh, I'm going to come. <laughs> I was. I was. It was great. You know what? It's cool. Like, for one day, I got to, like, not want to be dead. It was awesome. Yeah. And we forced them into uh, issuing a public apology where they patted themselves on the back for being 
incredible thought leaders the entire time <laughs> and uh, never really addressed the wrongdoing that they had done and in fact uh, got the whole situation backwards where uh you know the 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 cup commander was like everybody else fucked up and it's my fault for not stepping in and stopping them when that is the literal opposite dynamic of their entire organization wait, wait, wait a second i don't want to mention him by name but is is that guy mr smooth brain himself is he the mike cernovich of canucks twitter uh yeah when i say gorilla you say mindset hell yeah dude (laughs) (laughs) all right well on that note um you can follow me on twitter at failson mcdonald their rebrand lasted so long by the way he's back to doing the exact same fucking shit not even a week later (laughs) okay clarification what was this rebrand uh, uh, that he's gonna be like not a fucking mutant. That it's a professional <laughs> platform, and the content on the air needs to meet certain journalistic standards, of which we will never know what they are. Huh? But he's just saying that there are standards now for what appears uh, on their platform because it's a very serious platform, of course. That's so cool. It's a podcast. You can't have standards. Have standards. It's the whole point. Fellas, is it gay to have standards? <laughs> All right, well, I've been trying to end the episode for the past, like, ten minutes, so. <laughs> Fellas, is it gay to live in the West End? <laughs> okay. All right. Jackson, you're going to have to edit this episode so hard, you're, please. Yeah. Oh, I, I will edit as much as I see fit. I, uh, so we're done recording now, right? Okay, good. Uh, no, we haven't signed off yet. Wait, 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 no, we wait, haven't we signed, signed off, off yet. yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Vias. Uh, you can find me at Vias Saran on Twitter. You can find me at Moose Kayak. On and Twitter. Uh, yeah, don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever. And as always, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can find me at Justin okay. Morris, and you can hear me every Sunday night at 10 p.m. on Sportsnet 650, hosting a professional wrestling radio show called Wrestle Central. And uh, yeah, that's uh, those are my credits. JD, would you like to plug anything? Because nobody's going to tee you up to do so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, fuck off. I don't give a shit if you follow me or not. Eat shit. <laughs> That's, He's letting can... the fame of the video go to his head already, folks. We love to see it. On a on a classic note, um, you can follow JD at J. Dylan Burke and direct your hate mail there as well. 